It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hope everybody had a good weekend. We're right back at it today. It's finally game week. At some point during this week, we can preview a couple different football games. We can talk predictions for a single game. We can break down opponents. It is finally here. A few more days until we finally get to a game. That would be Thursday. But at least we're, we're, we have turned the corner and we're heading down the home stretch. I am thrilled to be at this point. I, I said we're going to break down opponents. I don't know on Thursday or Friday how much we're going to be able to break down of Tennessee Martin. That's going to be tougher to figure out. Uh, and usually I like to get a guest on for uh, that covers that team. I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that for Tennessee Martin. I might be able to figure something out. But it, it's at least a game. And Kentucky fans should be excited. The depth chart came out, the depth chart for week one. There were, uh, there were some, pri- some, some surprises there. No Darian Miller. That's definitely the biggest one for Kentucky. We found out today that he will be suspended one game for a violation of team rules. So that makes UK's offensive line a little bit more, uh, a little little shakier. But the good news is you are playing Tennessee Martin. If you're going to have a, a game where you're going to have some guys out, this might be the one to do it. Also, no, I don't know how I didn't talk about this last week, but no Jeff Bidette. He won't be playing for the first two games. Again, if you're going to miss two games, those are the ones to do it. Because he took a tennis ball to the eye during practice. Now, at the surface, this sounds like a, a very wild injury. How does that happen? Also, it's relatively serious because he's going to have to miss some time because of it. But usually before or after practice, the wide receivers, there's a machine that shoots out tennis balls and they have to catch them, usually with one hand. Sometimes they do two. It basically is just to work on their hand-eye coordination and to get them uh, just more focused for catching footballs. Teams all across the country do it at, at almost every level. I guess the machine was just aimed up towards his face and he took one in the eye. So he'll be out. We'll talk more about the depth chart, break it down. We'll also break down Louisville's depth chart. Big news for Louisville. No Devontae Parker for six to eight weeks because of a foot injury that will require surgery. That's There's no way around it. That's a big loss for Louisville. It, it's easily Louisville's most talented and best player, and they'll be without him for the first part of the season. You look at the schedule and you hope you get him back in time for – for Clemson would be ideal, and that seems doable, but you definitely want him back there for Florida State, and it sounds like he'll be back for Kentucky, so uh, you want him to, even if you're a Kentucky fan, I think you want him to have a, a speedy recovery. You never wish 
injury upon a player. And also college football is more fun when it's filled with great players. So, And Devontae Parker is certainly one of the best wide receivers out there. So we'll break down the depth charts, both the, the red and the blue ones. And I look forward to doing that, being able to talk uh, a little bit. A week from today, Louisville will be taking on Miami. A week from today, Kentucky will have one game under its belt. We'll have a much better idea of how the Stoops project looks in year two, what direction UK football is heading. Again, I don't expect it to be a close game with Tennessee Martin, but if it is, then I think that that would mean uh, year two might not be as progressive as I made it out to be last week. Again, I'm getting the, the closer the season starts, the more optimistic I'm getting for Kentucky football. This depth chart looking at it makes me even more optimistic even more excited to watch what this team can do on the field. So again, we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Just uh, a very busy work morning. Uh, Some basketball recruiting news that came through, so I I wanted to get a lot of things done around the house today. haven't had a chance to do that. But how was your weekend? Uh, It was good. Didn't do much at all. Enjoyed it. That sounds that sounds like a pretty nice weekend. Again, I went down to the lake, uh, the show on Friday. <laughs> I think that's going to be the last time Big Bag gets an invitation on the air. Uh, but that was a, a chaotic show, but it shouldn't be like that this week. It shouldn't have anything like that. I'll invite uh, him back if you won't. Did you enjoy him? Yeah, he was He was fun. Oh, man, he was... I, I, he definitely brings some personality to the air. Uh, again, I don't think he really cares because he knows he's not on it every day, so he can say he can kind of be silly and goofy and get away with it. But that's just the type of person he is, and uh, it, 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 I don't know. I, it, maybe it was because other people around him, I felt like he was trying to do a little too much. But if you liked it, then I'm sure other people liked it, and that's uh, good for good for the show. If it ever works out when he can get back on, maybe maybe we'll see what we can do. I might have to have a talk with him before then, though. Uh, but okay, cool, good. But it was a, a chaotic show, and it shouldn't have anything like that this week. Tomorrow they do they they once a year they do Kentucky basketball interviews uh, with a, a select amount of media outlets. They don't they don't credential everybody for this. It's usually anywhere from ten to fifteen media outlets, which Thinking about it kind of seems like a lot, but there are a ton of people that cover Kentucky and Louisville sports out there. And what you do is you get six to eight minutes with every player, just you and the player, one-on-one. So I'll be going up to Lexington and assisting in that for CatsIllustrated.com. That's from 10.30 to 12.30, so it shouldn't affect the show uh, as I'm making a trip up to Lexington. I have to make another trip up to Lexington Saturday for the game, but... It is football season, and uh, as I say that, we have basketball interviews tomorrow. Not as uh, the basketball interviews are really usually pretty cool, and you can't really report on what's said. Uh, There's generally uh, an embargo on the content because some publications use it for their magazines that don't come out for a while, and uh, they they want to make all the material. They want to make it fair for every outlet to be able to get it out at the same time. So we, Cats Illustrated, generally produces videos of the interviews. Uh, those take some time to make. So they give you, there's an embargo on the content. So I don't think I'm going to be able to talk about what's being said tomorrow. They might change that since the Bahamas trip took place. 
and everybody's kind of got an idea for uh, of this team and have gotten to know the players to, to some extent, but we'll just have to wait and see. But I will be doing that tomorrow, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about it as much. And I don't really know how much basketball we'll be talking about today. There is some basketball recruiting news that I mentioned. I guess we'll get right into that now. Kentucky had an, uh, was supposed to have an official visitor today, uh, this weekend, that was ending today. Uh, Darrell Moore, who's a seven-foot center from Georgia, who's going to be playing his final year at Mount Verde Academy in Florida, the same place Dakari Johnson went, the same coach that coached Michael Kidd-Gilchrist back in New Jersey in years past. He's a four-star. Uh, Kentucky has offered tons of centers in this class. Anyways, it turns out, uh, that he did not make it for the official visit. Some weird, interesting stuff. You can read more about that on catsillustrated.com for why he missed the visit. But it kind of brings me to this point that basketball recruiting, and it's something I get to cover on a daily basis and get to talk to coaches and players. And it, it, it's just like football recruiting too. It, it changes in a minute. And it's very tough. Sometimes communication between coaches and players and even players and their high school coaches or players and their parents uh, wherever the communication is going can sometimes be blurred because the magnitude of all this. Uh, so I, I, I think there's some confusion going on with this recruitment and people just need to be patient with what John Calipari does with this recruiting class, with this 2015 recruiting class. And the only other commit right now is Charles Matthews, who did not have the best summer. He was injured at times, uh, took a, took a, a nice little drop in the initial rivals rankings and, and rankings all across the board. Rivals actually ha- held him up a little bit higher than most places because of the injury. Uh, but rivals will release new rankings in a few days. I expect him to even drop further. So this is a, a very interesting, it's going to be a very interesting recruiting class for Kentucky, but I do think John Calipari is trying to be patient with it. Kind of wait to see who's available, who's not available wait and get a better idea who might go pro and who may stay. And there's just several centers, several forwards that have been offered. And there was some rumors that Moore wanted to commit when visiting Kentucky this weekend, but didn't get a chance to do so. So again, uh, we'll have to be patient with that, but it's just, it's funny how he was, nobody knew that he wasn't there. There were some people that, close to him that even thought he was. So it's uh, it's just basketball recruiting. It's college recruiting. That's just the way it is. But uh, we'll talk more football. That, that's pretty much it for basketball recruiting. There was a surprise visitor, Eric Davis, who Kentucky, in my opinion, he's a backup option, a point guard for Kentucky moving forward. He's a four-star. He cut his list down to seven. Kentucky's the only school on that list that is not offered. I don't expect him to end up at Kentucky. Uh, I don't expect him to receive a Kentucky offer. Uh, I don't know how long he's waiting to decide, but I, I, the only situation where I see Kentucky being uh, in, in a in a spot to offer him is if Tyler Eulis were to go pro, Andrew and Aaron Harrison obviously were to go pro, and they didn't hit on some of their bigger targets in the 2015 class. But he was on campus. He actually made it for an unofficial visit. Darrell Moore did not. So with the with that, we'll move back our attention to football. Uh, with football recruiting, that is something that goes on year round, and there are in the UK. We'll talk to three hundred different football players. Offer maybe close to a hundred. That's a 
much cra- – I wouldn't say it's much crazier, but when you have that much more quality of players that you're going after, it, it, that football recruiting is very messy. Uh, Kentucky's holding steady there. Uh, but we've talked a lot, maybe not so much on this show, but I, I've talked to a lot of media members. Other shows have talked about it. Uh, does Kentucky need to win this year to – help its recruiting success to move forward. Uh, I, I don't. I really don't believe UK football recruiting can get much better. I don't think it's ever going to consistently be a top 10 school or bring in top 10 classes on a year-in, year-out basis. Uh, they would have a long way to go to be able to do that. Top 15 would be even a little tougher there, but I think Kentucky's goal should just be top 25 on a year-in, year-out basis because if that translated on the field, and of course it rarely works like this, if Kentucky was a top 25 program year-out and year-out, year-in and year-out in football, that would be a huge success. So I think they need to set their goal of being no worse than top 25 in football recruiting. And so far, Stoops has been right around there and doing a good job of maintaining this momentum of when he first took over. But does he need to win this year? That's the big question that uh, a lot of fans are asking themselves. I think uh, the coaches even are, are curious if they have to win this year to see how recruits respond to it. Because you can only sell playing time. You can only sell a bright future so long before you look like a liar. So I, I, I tend to think they, there's not a, a magic number they have to win to keep recruits on board. If they were to win three games but lose six other games – uh, by three points or in the the last two minutes of the game and be competitive with top 10 teams and top 15 teams, much like they were for the first half last season. But if you can make that uh, a 30-minute effort and turn that into an hour effort, then you, you're more competitive. It's that simple. So I don't think there's a magic number. I do think that they need to be competitive. Last year, they finished 17th in the team rankings. 2013, when Stoops only had a few months to recruit, Kentucky was able to pull in the number 29 recruiting class. And again, didn't have much time on that. Kentucky's had their ups and downs in this class. They've had some uh, nice commitments. They've had some interesting D commitments. Uh, and it, by all accounts, we've had Justin Rowland on the, the show before to talk about Kentucky's class. He thinks it's going to end up top 25 again. So uh, he doesn't necessarily think there's a magic number either. I've talked to him uh, about that, but there's no doubt if Kentucky were to go two and 10 again and not show much improvement off last season, then that wouldn't, I mean, there's no doubt that that would, I think, slow down recruiting. So I don't think there's a magic number they have to get to keep it going, but I do think that there is a number that they could uh, on the end of the spectrum, the, the bad end of the spectrum that they could end up with that would slow down recruiting but I don't think that's the case I do think they're going to continue moving forward on the field and the recruiting is going to stay the same right now Kentucky's recruiting class on the rivals rankings is 28 currently with 13 commits Uh, there's a lot of schools above them that have a lot more commitments and, and no matter what type of commitment you get that boosts your rankings so uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Kentucky's got three wins easily this year, which is an improvement from last year. Uh, again, but they—it's not a number; it's a competitive thing, and there no reason why they shouldn't win an SEC game this year. I do think if they were to go zero and eight in the SEC again, that would that would slow down recruiting momentum. That would be easier for teams 
to negative negatively recruit against Kentucky. We're going to head to our first commercial break here. We're going to come back, talk the depth chart. There's a big surprise on the defensive side of the ball for Kentucky football. And I'll tell you what that is when we come back here on 1450 The Sports Bus. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Back here, second segment. 1450 The Sports Buzz. Uh, talked a little bit of everything. It was a UK-related in the first segment. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to that. Other There are a couple other topics I wanted to get to. First, let's get to people texting and tweeting into the show. Uh, Clayby116 said, we never used tennis ball machines in high school. Sounds like a stupid drill to me. Tennis balls are smaller. Why not just work on catching actual footballs? And he goes on to say, but what do I know? I guess that's why I'm sitting in a cubicle right now and not in a 49ers uniform. I think the reason you're not in a 49ers uniform, Clayby116, is because you're 5'10", 185 pounds with a 15-inch vertical, and not necessarily because you couldn't catch tennis balls or didn't work on catching tennis balls. Uh, it's a drill that they do. I, I didn't know that St. X didn't use those type of drills, uh, but most colleges do. At least Kentucky has for a while, even before Stoops, they did that. And again, it just works on your hand-eye coordination. If you can see the ball coming that quickly and get your hands up there, then you could much easier to do that with a football. It's to me, it's almost like a, a donut on a baseball bat. It's not like when you swing a baseball bat in the real game, your bat's that heavy. But if you practice with that, you should have a smoother swing, a, maybe a little more power behind it. And in baseball or in football, if you can catch that tennis ball, which it is harder to catch than a football, then it should make it easier to catch a football. Uh, Clay B116, I know, is a big True Blood fan. They had their series finale last night. I'm wondering what he thought of that. Yates, do you watch True Blood? Uh, via the wife, yes. But we so you so it, it's uh, it ended. I was waiting for the leftovers, and True Blood didn't end till 10:10. So I watched the final 10, 15 minutes of it, and of course, I I have no idea what's going on. I watched a few episodes when it was early, when it was new. I saw it, uh, no spoiler alert, because I don't know any of the names of the people anymore, but I saw somebody stab a vampire and blood go everywhere, which was kind of gross to oh, see. Great. I haven't seen it yet. Thanks for ruining it for me. You haven't now, seen it now, yet. Now I know a vampire dies. You've seen it. No, I haven't actually. My wife was out of town the past two weeks, so we have the she has the last two episodes to watch. So that that doesn't ruin anything for you. Vampires I, die all the time in that sarcastic. show. Good. I wouldn't. I mean, I would. I would have actually felt pretty bad if I did ruin it for you. Uh, I remember one time during our Game of Thrones reviews, uh, I didn't give a spoiler heads up, and somebody texted me actually upset that I said something that was on there uh, that happened ahead of the time. So I really would have felt bad if that's if that's the case. But okay, so you haven't seen it. I wonder what Clay V one sixteen thought of it. Uh, it's it True Blood at one time was a very very popular show, and I guess the longer it went on more people kind of jumped off 
uh, as that happens in most shows. So I'm curious what uh, True Blood fans thought of that. Another thing I wanted to get to is Teddy Bridgewater not being named the starter in Minnesota. Yates, what was your reaction to that? Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised that they didn't name him the starter. I, I think that at some point this season, he probably becomes the starter, but I, I don't know that I'm shocked that he's not going to start the first game. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I, again, in the, in the, I, I'm, we're, we're done talking Johnny Manziel, but in the Cleveland situation, and that's the, that's, I think probably even a different situation than Minnesota, but I just don't get when you spend a first round pick on a quarterback and you haven't had great quarterback play in years past and you're not expected to have maybe a great season, but you're supposed to, you you can compete. You have other weapons. I just don't get why these teams aren't trying something new or, or, or using their young arms right away. I don't understand why Teddy Bridgewater wasn't named the starter. He had just as good as numbers as Christian Ponder did, if I if I remember correctly, during during the preseason game so far. And from all accounts from in Minnesota and people there, he's looked better or, or just as good during practices. And one of these guys between the two, or Castle, not Ponder, if I said Ponder earlier, uh, one of the two guys is considered the future of the program and the other one isn't. So I just don't get why you're, why wait Yates? Um, I mean, I guess the, uh, one of the main things is the, the potential, I guess, psychological aspect. I mean, you don't want to throw your guy out there and risk him not performing as well as you'd like him to. And that getting into his head, maybe, I, I mean, I don't know, just, well, just giving just giving him more time to learn. I, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers waited like a season and a half or whatever it was before he started. Well, you can make cases for guy, for for both cases. It, 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 fun fact is, I, I when Aaron Rodgers was on the bench and waiting to take over for Brett Favre, and the Packers drafted Brian Brom. I did think Brian Brom would have a chance to beat out Aaron Rodgers, uh, and, and that was probably a biased thought because I grew up watching Brian Brom for the past six years, even going back to when he was in high school, versus not really knowing much about Aaron Rodgers. But the fact that Brian Brom didn't make into the NFL is shocking to me. He had such a big arm, had experience, was so well coached throughout his entire football career. I, I, I really did think there was a chance that he could have been the guy in Green Bay after Brett Favre, uh, and, and it just never really worked out for him that way. And I'm, I'm shocked that it didn't work out even in the NFL anywhere. But you do have examples of guys waiting and it working. You have examples of guys waiting and it not working. You have examples of guys starting right away and working, and vice versa. And it, it doesn't work. I, I do understand the idea of throwing him into the fire, it not working out, hurting his confidence, and maybe never fully developing into the quarterback that they're capable of. Uh, you can, you've seen that happen before. I I go by that standard by that theory uh, to a to a T in college football. I think it's a terrible idea for Kentucky. It would have been a bad idea for Kentucky to put Drew Barker in right right away 
although he's considered kind of the fo- the future of the football program. Uh, but I do think there's a difference between a 23-year-old quarterback that's proven himself in college football, a uh, 22-year-old quarterback, however old he is, versus an 18-year-old freshman going into the SEC. I think uh, there's, uh, I think mentally there, there's plenty of factors, variables that go into that that don't that don't really add up. So uh, I do believe that theory Yates with college quarterbacks, but not necessarily with the NFL. And, and it would be different if Bridgewater maybe struggled in some of his preseason games, but everything I've seen and heard, he's looked fine. The schedule for the Vikings isn't, I don't really know what to make of the Vikings in terms of what they're going to be able to do this season. So I, uh, their schedule, I guess, starts out difficult at St. Louis home against new England at New Orleans, home against Atlanta, and then at Green Bay. Uh, those home games could be winnable. I, I don't I don't know. I think that the Patriots and the Falcons would be favorites. Uh, at New Orleans is certainly a loss. At Green Bay is on a Thursday night. That's likely to be a loss. Uh, of course, I'm a Packers fan anyways. And at St. Louis doesn't seem like a, a too tough of a, a game, especially now that the Rams are without a quarterback. But this is kind of the time where injuries are um, – happening a lot more, which is unfortunate. I, I think preseason games are pretty stupid to begin with, but I, I get why they do them. And I was so disappointed, Yates, to see Wes Welker pick up his third concussion in 10 months, uh, not just from a fantasy football standpoint, because that was my keeper, and I think that shows that my league probably drafts too early, uh, but also just he's a, he's a fun player to watch for me. And, uh, of course, I've had my eye on him the last few seasons because he has been on my fantasy team. But I, I love those little undersized slot receivers that catch almost anything thrown their way. Uh, tough as nails for the most part. Uh, what do you think the next step is for Wes Welker? I know you, you're not a, a doctor and you're probably not a Broncos fan either. But if you're Wes Welker, three concussions in 10 months, what do you do? Um, I mean, I, three concussions in 10 months, I think you probably are getting to the point where you need to look at possibly – hanging it up i mean yeah i guess you know like you said i'm not a doctor i guess you if you're west welker you wait to find out what the doctor says but i mean with with all the information we have now with regard to concussions and the long-term effects that those can create i think you're probably to the point now where it's in your best interest to be safe rather than sorry and you know and i mean you've had a good career you've been successful so I, I think, you know, if, if you value your long-term health, he probably needs to think about maybe retiring. That's, I think he needs to evaluate the situation and, and get as many opinions as he can. But it was kind of bothering me when this happened, I guess it was the Saturday night, when so many people were tweeting that great career, Wes Welker, time to hang it up, time to end it. First off, let's let's let him make that decision for himself, and obviously that's what he's going to do. But to have all these media members pressure him and say that he he has to hang it up, we don't know how serious these concussions are. I I don't again I'm not a doctor either, and I don't know if one concussion. I I think there are different levels of concussion. You can have much worse concussions and you can have uh, ones that aren't as severe. Again, a concussion is a concussion at the end of the day. And that's something that should be taken seriously. But we don't know 
where he's at. We don't know what kind of toll this will take on him. I'm sure at this point he might not know either. But he has had a good career, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's time for him to to hang it up. We don't know what his goals are as a professional. We don't know what more he wants to accomplish. And obviously, I think his long-term health is certainly more important than his than any sort of money, and anybody would agree with that. But he's making over $2 million a year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for your family. That's a lot of money for your kids. I'm sure that's weighing on his mind, too. Not that they're hurting for money, but he can have a lot of people close to him be taken care of. If he keeps playing, I, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So many people saying that he automatically needed to retire. And there are more, there are, and one person was saying he's lucky that the, that this didn't happen 10 years ago because he would keep playing. And now he's conscious to, to the idea of how severe these concussions can be. I think that's true. But on the flip side, I think it's good that this happened now, uh, the, the, not because of that, but more so all the help that is that is put in place for for concussions. I, I was reading that he that that he has already he's already wearing a special helmet that's more likely to stop the blows from uh, of impact. Supposedly that helped in this situation. That it could have been a lot worse, but it, it wasn't as bad because of the, of his helmet. So I think he, we need to kind of, as a media member, need to respect his injury, the time that he's going to take to figure this out. And if he wants to come back, I know how many media members are going to talk about how bad of a decision it is. People are going to be watching him closely to every step to see if another injury's coming. And then if something were to happen, how many people are going to jump on him and say, I told you so. I don't necessarily think that's fair. I did love seeing Peyton Manning go after that Texans player to yell at him. I, I don't necessarily think it was a dirty hit. It was an unfortunate hit. But we'll have to see what happens to Wes Walker. And if, if, if he steps away from the game, does he still go to Derby and hand out $100 bills to everybody? Maybe, maybe if he did retire, he'd have more time to focus in on horse racing. But yeah, injuries are happening all across the NFL. B.J. Raji out for the season, unfortunately, for Green Bay, which is a big blow for my Packers. Talked about UK, now turning it back to the college level. UK, Jeff Bidette, going to miss some time because of an injury. But let's talk more about this depth chart. And I, I kind of teased before going to the – the first break that there was a big change on defense. You're going to have Bud Dupree in a hybrid linebacker spot and Jason Hatcher starting at defensive end on the opposite side of Zadari Smith. So instead of having Zadari Smith and Bud Dupree as your defensive ends where they've received so much hype and so much attention. And I, I consider that one of the, the, one of the best pairs of defensive ends you could have in the SEC. Well, you're not going to have it at all. Uh, seemingly, for the time being. You're going to have Jason Hatcher out there, the sophomore, the true sophomore, and you're going to have Bud Dupree playing some linebacker, which he's played in the past. I I need to see this before I can make a decision if I think this is the best idea. 
but I do automatically like the idea of having your most talented players on the field. You, you got to, Jason Hatcher, when you've got, the, again, Kentucky's defense isn't where it where Stoops wants it to be or where he ideally will have it being in five years. But you do have a lot of talent there right now. You need to find a way to get that talent on the field. And I, obviously, I don't think linebacker is probably the best position for Bud Dupree, but it's an area of weakness for UK. Your defensive line is an area, a, a, a strength for sure. So I like that they're playing with this. I like that they're trying different things, and we'll have to see how it equals out on the field. But I, I don't think there's any denying that your three best players on defense might be Jason Hatcher, Bud Dupree, and Zadarius Smith. Unfortunately, you could only play two of them at their familiar positions. So you make this change and you move and you move them around. I like it, uh, and I think you've confidence of those three players is going to have a ripple effect across the rest of the defense. Braylon Hurd named the starting running back for Kentucky. I think that's what should have been expected. JoJo Kemp listed as the second running back. I still think you're going to see a ton of Stanley Boom Williams for Kentucky. Whether or not they're handing the ball off to him, giving him swing passes, doing screens for him, one way or the other, Kentucky's going to get the ball in his hands because he's too big of, the, of a playmaker not to do it. I think Braylon Hurd's going to be a good, uh, consistent running back. I don't think he's the most explosive running back Kentucky's got, but he is a, a very smart runner, and he'll certainly get the job done. JoJo Kemp, a little bit more explosive, a little more pop. Kentucky's running back situation, they're set, and, and Stanley Williams will be returning kicks for Kentucky. Marco Robinson or Ryan Timmons likely to return punts. Wide receiver position, again, I, I don't think it's as talented as Neil Brown would want it to be, but it's a little bit deeper. You do have some playmakers. You do have some guys that can make people miss. Can't wait to see Javis Blue and Ryan Timmons and DeMarco Robinson, see what kind of steps they make. This is it for DeMarco Robinson. It's it for Javis Blue. Although he's a JUCO, these are some experienced guys. No Jeff Bidette again, tennis ball injury, which I, I think uh, he'll look back at that, and that might be one of the more the, the funnier injuries he's ever had. One of the funniest injuries for me I've ever had was, uh, this wasn't really funny at all. It was terrible and painful. I, I've, I'm starting to think I might be injury prone the more I look back at my career as a human broke my femur when I was two and was in a body cast when I was 13 or 14, I was riding my bike up, a, up a steep hill, but I was going pretty fast. There was a slick spot, fell, didn't have a scratch on my body, on my face, nothing, but knocked out my two front teeth, had to get two root canals. I've never had an injury, though, from a tennis ball to the eye. Clay B. 116 still weighing in on the issue. I don't like the tennis ball idea because I worry it trains your hand mechanics on a smaller object. Thus, you aren't going to open your hands up enough, wide enough for a football to fit, and it ends up jamming or breaking fingers. <laughs> Clay, they've been doing this at UK and other places across the country for years. 
it's uh, it's a good idea. But I, I, I again, I, I don't. I'm. It, it's not okay that Jeff Bidet's hurt, and you never want to see a player injured, especially since he's missing time. So it must be a pretty nasty injury. But how? Do, I'm curious how it happened. How was the machine set up where he was hit in the face? I don't know. Another interesting part for me is uh, on the depth chart is linebacker not to see Ryan Flanagan starting. I think he's going to play a ton, and he's eventually going to be a starter. He's a Juco that Oregon almost did did everything they could to get and promised him a starting spot from day one, but he's already committed to Kentucky and honored that commitment. He's a guy, a very talented guy. He's going to play a lot, but he right now is not listed as a starter. That surprises me. So that's another surprise with the roster. Read some more tweets before we head out to our, our, our last break. Run DMC says, the most embarrassing injury for me was when Clavy116 ran me over in a golf cart at Seneca Golf Course. That I would love to hear that story some more. One of my friends had a partial part of his finger cut off at a golf course because a golf cart flipped over. That's actually a true story. And on the on the wrong end of that, the person driving the golf cart was Big Bag Dave himself. So I think you're starting to get a better idea about Big Bag Dave. And then Brun DMC tweets in kind of changing subjects. I heard that the heat prevented a lot of high school football games from being finished or being played this weekend in Louisville. That is true. I was hoping to see some updates Friday night when I was down at the lake on, on the St. X game, and there were none because they moved it to Saturday. And then they only played a half Saturday. And I know that a high school football game in week one doesn't mean a lot, and St. X was up 17 to nothing on Ballard. But there have been teams that have come back from 17 down in a football game. That's not a crazy comeback. It's a nice comeback. It's a big comeback, but that's not even to a point where you'd say, oh, wow, that's unbelievable. One time, St. X came back down from Mail when I was in high school by 28. Ended up losing the game in overtime. But I was shocked to see Ballard be okay with that, to end the game at halftime. Again, I don't know when you're going to play it. Could have played it Sunday, I guess, would be a guess. But surprised to see that. Uh, a lot of games were impacted. We, the last week of August, shockingly, is when we're starting to see this terrible, hot, humid, sticky weather across Louisville. But it was kind of fun today when I looked at the forecast and was able to look at the 10-day forecast to see the weather for... You can start looking and previewing weather for football games and start to figure out your tailgate plans. And uh, it's just glorious to be for it to be football season. And I, I can't wait. I don't get to do much tailgating for UK games because I'm working. I can still play some cornhole and eat some delicious food, which I'm excited about. But tailgating, uh, between Kentucky and Kentucky tailgates, Louisville tailgates, uh, I'm sure there's other places across the country that do it better. I'm sure place in the SEC do it a lot better. I've been to some of those places, but you can't go to a Louisville or UK football tailgate if you go with the right people and have a bad time. And we're finally at that part of the year. So I'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. One more commercial break. Names have all changed since I've been around But the game 
Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. And we're back. One final segment here. On a Monday game day edition. Not edition, game week edition of the Sports Talker. Football finally in the picture. I'm very excited. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever said on the air that I'm kind of a closet South Carolina football fan, but I am, and I don't know what it stems from. I've covered the last two UK football games in Columbia. I've covered a couple basketball games down there. I love the town of Columbia, and I think that's probably what it is. Also, me and one of my old roommates He's kind of a, a Georgia fan. He's a Kentucky fan, but he likes Georgia and the SEC as another school. And every year for the past four years, we've bet on the game and we've bet on who wins the SEC. Just a little friendly wager. So I've I've gotten to like South Carolina. I love Spurrier. Spurrier's great for college football. Just hilarious, and everybody's going to miss him when he retires eventually. So I'm excited for Thursday, just the Texas A&M-South Carolina game. And I don't know if that's just because finally it's football or it's SEC football or it's something else on TV. I don't necessarily know what it is, but I cannot wait for that game. And that's going to be the official start of the college football season. Again, uh, I talked a lot of Kentucky today. Not as much Louisville. But they, Petrino did speak today. They let out their depth chart. Yates, I don't know if you have it in front of you or any surprises of Louisville's depth chart. Uh, I actually haven't had the chance to peruse it yet. I'll, I'll dive into that here in, uh, a little bit later. Louisville's got a, a, sim, a similar situation to Kentucky at running back where it's very deep and a lot of talent there. But I was, and I'm having a tough time finding it right now. I was a little interested to see Lamb, I think, was four string. Does that surprise you at all, Yates? Um. Not really. I would, who? I mean, I would assume that Dominic Brown, Michael Dyer, and L.J. Scott were probably listed ahead of him. Maybe, maybe instead of oh. L.J. Scott, Brandon Radcliffe. Well, actually, he was fifth. Uh, now that I have found it, and so all the four of those guys were in four uh, in front of him. I would just that surprised me a little bit. I don't know if it should or not. I, I think it's just such a deep position. I think Louisville's probably going to do a similar thing that Kentucky does and just carry the ball or, or you, you don't, it, that's what a lot of any big time college football program, you can never have too many running backs. But after 
it, it, it just, I don't know. It, it seemed like there was a lot of promise there before last season, but I guess the, the, you do have a solid options elsewhere. You And Yates, are you worried about the wide receiver position without Parker? Obviously, it's a huge blow. But Louisville certainly does have some depth at wide uh, at wide receiver. So what would it, what will life be like without Parker for the for Louisville the next six to eight weeks? I think it'll be different because I mean he's obviously a a dynamic playmaker, probably one of the best receivers in the country. But I don't think it will be. I mean, I don't think it's going to be detrimental to you know what the team can do. They they're pretty deep at receiver. Um. I mean, you've got got guys that are coming back, uh, you know, Eli Rogers and Kai De La Cruz, guys like that who have, have played, have experience. And then you've got, I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff said about Matt Milton, transfer out of Tennessee. Um, James Quick looked good in the spring. So I, I think they'll be okay. You, you never want to lose somebody who's obviously your best player in a position. But, I mean, I think they'll be okay until he gets back. Yeah. It's. I think you just have to ask a little bit more out of all these other wide receivers, and for some of the guys that have been around longer and and played, I don't think that will be a problem. I am curious to see how James Quick responds to having a bigger role, but again, I, I think anybody that's followed James Quick and, and knows how good of a player he can be, this might be just what he needed. So I am curious to see how he responds to it. Obviously, a huge. I mean, there's no way you can take the best player away from any team and not make it say it's not a big deal. Obviously, it's going to be a big deal for Louisville. But if you were to pick a position where you were going to lose your best player, it might as well be one of your deeper positions. And I do feel that's the case for for Louisville there. So. We'll be a, it'll, it'll be interesting, but we got to wrap up the show. We've got all week to talk football, and like I've mentioned several times today, I couldn't be more excited about it. So thanks for listening. We'll be back same time tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. This is TJ Walker, The Sports Talker. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do Oprah Priest Classics